Hey, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to The Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. Hey, welcome back to The Greg McAfee Show, where we discuss uh, steps to successful entrepreneurship, how to take your business to new heights, and ultimately follow your dreams. Today, we're going to be discussing just more ways to be more successful in business. So I want to talk about how to be fast, how to be nimble, and how to be bold. Okay? So what this is not about, folks, if you've listened to me long enough, and I think we're on somewhere around 97, um, number 97 podcast, if you've listened and watched me long enough, you know I am not going to talk about speed when it comes to growth. Now, I will tell you this, that a lot of what we're going to talk about today will help you grow faster if you implement it and do some of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, however, it's not about fast growth. That's not what I teach. i be honest with you. I truly don't know how to grow fast. I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Um, you know, the weather here is um, high of high of 95 in our dream world and, and low of ze- zero in our dream world. So, And I'm a heating and air conditioning company if you just tuned in. So um, we don't have 100 plus degree weather and we don't have minus zero degree weather. So we're very mild weather. Um, and in Dayton, Ohio, uh, we have grown... Um, I think uh, very healthy and probably as fast as you can in, in an area like this um, in a really a smaller population than many. So the byproduct of what we're going to talk about today will definitely help you grow faster than normal, but we're not here to talk about fast growth. We are here to talk about some different things such as um, being faster in strategy, Uh, being faster in marketing, being faster in operations, people, admin, culture, cash flow and debt, longevity. That's important. So these are the aspects of business that ultimately suffer at times and fall apart at the seams when companies focus exclusively on growing fast. So let's get started. The first thing I want to talk about is the thief of time. Any ideas what that might be? The thief of time. Well, you could probably come up with many. Um, You know, if you're like me, I I really try to, uh, I'm looking down here because that's where my phone is. But I really try to lessen the amount of time on my phone. So each week I get a text about how much time I've spent on my phone. And I'm my goal is always to be less than the week before. So um, a lot of times what we do on the phone is a waste of time. And uh, so, but we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about our phone today, but we are going to talk about um, procrastination. Uh, procrastination is the thief of time and the thief of life is what it is. Waiting to do something 
um, and not just getting it done is a waste of time and a thief of time. But Brian Tracy talks about creative procrastination. Now, I never, I never really uh, thought much about that until I started reading about it. But since we're all procrastinators, and we all procrastinate somewhere on something at some time, um, let's talk about creative procrastination. Here's basically what it means. A high producer, which we refer to as successful people, procrastinate on tasks and activities of a low or no value level, okay? A low producer or someone who's not as successful procrastinates on tasks that have considerable value to the company and to the individual's own career for for you to produce at your maximum, you must resolve to engage in creative procrastination from this day forward. So, I mean, if you're going to procrastinate, make sure it's down on the the lower level of things, on the on the lower value of things, not the top five. I mean, you do not want to procrastinate on the top five that you need to get done today. And personally, I like to make a daily list, and and I I was taught. And I'll tell you where I heard this from, which I'm going to read something from them here in a minute. Is uh, I listened to a cassette uh, class tape on um, like the top five percent. It was done by Earl Nightingale. And um, but if I'm going to procrastinate on something, it's going to be some things on the bottom of my list. Uh, that it's not that it's not going to make a hill of beans if I get it done today or even if I get it done this week, but it is on my list and I do need to get it done. So I learned this 30 years ago. I, I bought this. I bought this cassette. Okay, so it tells you I started in 1990. I had a lot of time on my hands then. Um, besides going door to door, besides making a lot of phone calls back then, I would listen to things that would help me positive positive tapes that would help me improve in my small world of my startup of an HVAC company. And basically, um, here's what this says about it. Charles M. Schwab was one of the richest men in the world. His business interest included being president of the Bethlehem Steel Company. One day in 1918, Schwab arranged a meeting with a highly respected productivity consultant named Ivy Lee. As the story goes, Schwab bought Lee into his brought Lee into his office and said, "Show me a, a way to get more things done in my factory." Um, Lee replied, "Give me 15 minutes with each one of your executives, and then I will give you my advice." Well, how much will that cost me? Asked Schwab. Nothing, Lee said, unless it works. After three months, you can send me a check for whatever you feel it's worth to you. Schwab thought he had nothing to lose. So during his 15 minutes with each executive, Lee explained his method for achieving peak productivity. At the end of each working day, he said, I want you to write down the six most important things you need to accomplish tomorrow. And do not write down any more than six. 
prioritize those six items in order of true importance, or like we talked about earlier, true value. When you arrive tomorrow, concentrate only on the first task. Work until the first task is completed before you move on to the second task. Approach the rest of your list in the same way. Now, don't worry about finishing one or two by the end of the day. The others just don't worry about finishing more than one or two. The others can wait, basically. If you can't finish all of them um, by this method, then you couldn't have finished them anyway, is what he was saying. Repeat this process every working day. So Schwab and his executive team at Bethlehem Steel gave it a shot. And after three months, Schwab was so delighted with the progress his company had made that he called Lee into his office and wrote him a check for $25,000, which is equivalent today to around $430,000. Okay, so... He came in, he talked to the executives, he said, here's what I want you to do. He talked to Schwab, here's what I want you to do. Uh, If you do this, just send me a check in three months of what you think the value is. And uh, sure enough, um, you know, he probably spent anywhere from two to five hours and made, you know, today's money $430,000. But if that is not a good lesson for us on making lists checking it off, only doing the priorities first, not going on to the next until you get number one done, number two done, number three done in that order, only doing six. Boy, that's just good advice. I hope that helps you. I hope you take it and run with it. Run with it. And please let me know how it works for you. Okay. Um, So if we're talking about procrastination and we're talking about not getting things done, Here's what's going to help us. We need to develop a sense of urgency. And that's something that at McAfee um, is said quite often because it starts with me and trickles down. And something I have had from day one, which I wrote about in my book, um, Grow and Build Your HVAC Business, um, you know, how I started with $274 and built a multi million dollar company. Um, you know, how I became number one in my market here in Dayton, Ohio, in the residential market. Um, but I would, um, I had a sense of urgency to get things done. And uh, sometimes it was just because of my personality. Sometimes it was because of my impatience. I didn't, I didn't like to wait. So I didn't want my customers to wait. I didn't want my vendors to wait. I didn't want my team to wait. And I just made things happen fast. And, you know, little did I know at the time how much good that would do for me, but that's just who I was and that's what I did. So one of the rarest and most valuable human qualities in the world is a sense of urgency. It is estimated that only 2% of people move quickly to get the job done. When you develop a reputation for having a sense of urgency and for getting the job done quickly, you'll move into the fast track and take your business to new heights and make things happen. Trust me. You know, 300 CEOs were asked what employees could do to put themselves on a fast track. And 85% of the top business owners had the same reply. They said this. They said, we need to have 
they, uh, our employees need to have the ability to set priorities. They need to have the ability to start on the most important jobs first, and they need to get done uh, things done quickly and well, okay? That's having a sense of urgency, folks. When you develop a reputation for starting on the most important tasks, like Earl Nightingale talked about, and completing them, and what we're talking about is completing them quickly and well, you will be happily surprised at the wonderful opportunities that will open for you. Uh, because that's just how it works. Uh, when we when we serve our customers and we get and we came out, you know, just tonight, here's a couple ideas. They're it's a, they're all in the book, what I talk about. They're all in my book. Um, unless we started doing them after I wrote the book, of course. But we came out with, uh, you know, eight to eight at the same great rate. Sounds simple. Wasn't that simple for everyone else because nobody touched us for five years. So eight to eight, same great rate. People could work all day, come home around five, and we would service them up till eight at the same great rate. We also came out with a one-day install. Um, now that sounds simple today because a lot of things have changed. More things have actually changed in the last three years than probably in the last 30. Um, but that might sound simple today to do an installation in one day. But when I first started in 1990, the norm was two to three days. Don't ask me why, because I couldn't get my head around it at the time. Um, we, we did take a day and a half. I mean, it was a day and a half install just because... I was doing I was doing some things like I did at the previous company, and I know I preach against that, but that's what happened. Until I became dissatisfied with how we were doing it, and we put better systems in place, and we came out with a one-day install guaranteed. If it wasn't at first, I said if it wasn't installed in one day, we'd give you back a thousand bucks. But we got so good at it, and we got our systems in place so well that I said, if we don't do it in one day, it's free, uh, because I knew we could do it. And for, for, for the most part, we, we completely install big residential jobs, complete full systems um, in, in somewhere, somewhere between six and 10 hours. Let's just say that. Okay. So to be your established market leaders, which when I started in 1990, you know, there were 580 some heating and air conditioning companies and I was like 586, okay? And um, so everyone was a market leader to me. Uh, I was new. So I had to focus on my strengths and I had to master the top three things that I could do better than all these other giants because I used to call them the big dogs. There were some big dogs in our industry. I guess now we're considered a big dog. I don't know. Um, you know, we're not that big, but in our but in our market we are. I used to think, how can we beat these guys? And I and I just started using common sense. I started thinking about what they don't do, and what we do do, or what we need to do better. And I just started doing it. I mean, it was it wasn't easy, but it was that simple to put together. And, um, you know, 
we had to, I knew we had to be fast. I just knew that in the 90s. We had to be fast. And I knew we had to be nimble. And I knew we had to be bold. So being able to change fast and adapt to different circumstances is what helped us. And that will help you get to the next level. Um, and, and the next level could be number one. You know, you could be... You could be um, a 1,200, you could be number 1,200 out of a 1,200 market. And yes, you can work your way to number one. It's going to take you a little bit longer, but you'd be surprised how fast you can get to the top 100 because there's a lot of companies out there doing it wrong. So don't get discouraged. I don't care how many is in your market. And we've had some guys come through boot camps. They're in big markets, much, much bigger than mine. But you can do it because the the, the top the the top, let me use a percentage, the top 80% doesn't mean doesn't necessarily mean they're in order of how they do things well, okay? So in today's world, there's a very distinct difference between competing and winning. And competing has become the struggle to remain with the rest of the pack. I never wanted to remain with the pack. I wanted to beat the pack. Okay, the pack to me was old school, doing things the way they've always been doing it, too slow, not taking care of customers, being unprofessional, really not caring, and not being innovative. And I didn't want to be part of that pack. So I had to separate myself from the pack, and that's exactly what we did. Competing has become the struggle to remain with the rest of the pack. Winning is to influence and control the pack. So I wanted to win. I wanted to control the pack. I wanted to set the stage, which we did, which we do every day, okay? Winning means domination. Do you want to struggle and pursue or do you want to dominate and win? Which one would you rather do? Now, Personally, I've never done well working at and sometimes with companies because if you don't know this, I coach um, other um, home service companies and uh, I do not work well with those who are just content either with status quo or just content with competing um with other companies because I just like to win. And I believe that companies who want to win have leadership teams with common traits. So I want to surround myself with a team who want to win. Our team's very, very competitive. Uh, I mean, right now we're, we're having a, it was all volunteers who wanted to participate in a uh, way down uh, contest as far as losing weight. Um, we're all very, very competitive. It was just something that we started to kick off the year. Um, and uh, But we're just very competitive all across the board, and we want to win. So we have teams, and we're all encouraging um, our own team, you know, to, uh, to lose weight and get in better shape. Okay? So, but I've never worked well with other companies who just want to compete and who just want to be status quo. In my opinion, there's nothing more important for a successful company than um, than to have these attributes 
fast, nimble, bold, and even disruptive. Uh, I like to be disruptive in our market. I like to disrupt things. Um, I like to change things. Um, you know, either evolve with me or they they lose a ton of market share and they could possibly die. So that's what I like to do. You know, and, and I've talked about this often, but it used to be the big eat the small and now it's the fast eat the slow, which we're going to talk a lot more about today. Um, and this is going to be, this is going to end up being a part two uh, because uh, it's just so darn good. Um, and I just told uh, my son, Travis, who's our field manager, I said, if I can get this across like it's in my head, it's going to be an extremely good podcast. Uh, so that's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm praying for. So, you know, in order to be fast, in order to have a sense of urgency, um, I just think uh, I'm not saying to keep your company small by any means, because if you're doing things right, you're going to naturally grow. But I think I think it's good to have a smaller leadership team. Um, when you have a smaller leadership team, you have fewer voices, and um, and it's easier to make final decisions with a smaller team. And bigger teams only drag out the process um, of, of moving forward. And I don't know if you guys have ever been on a church board, but churches are probably one of the worst for forming boards, um, church boards. I mean, they're just terrible. They, they have somewhere between 15 and 20 or more people on the board. Very little gets accomplished. Very little have ever sat on a board. They're voted upon most of the time due to how long they've been in the church and how long their family name's been in the church. <clears throat> and, you know, it's just, uh, it just is ridiculous um, how it works. And I get very frustrated. And uh, for years back, I said, I'll never be on another church board. It's too frustrating for me. So when, when I have my own business, um, I can choose how big I want my leadership team and by the way, my board of advisors throughout the years has only been three, three and me. That's all. Uh, and that's all that's needed. And um, I can, I can, if you're interested in forming a board of advisors, which very few companies do, but the ones who do seem to be more successful than, than the rest, uh, look me up, give me a call, send me a text, send me an email. I, I will reach out and help you to form a board of advisors. Okay. But small teams are definitely faster. Small teams are definitely nimble, uh, or not necessarily. Um, small teams can be faster and they can be more nimble. Um, and the boldness is going to come in by choice, uh, which we're not even going to get to boldness today. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, but Jeff Lerner was the owner and CEO of Zerly, and he says, in a world where everything is moving so rapidly, simply being fast isn't enough anymore, and you have to move faster than anyone and everyone today. Um, and I just don't think small business owners realize that. A lot of them, not all, but a lot of them, they just don't realize that. Um, they're, they're in it to compete, 
Yeah, we have a lot of competition. Yeah, it's tough out there. Yeah, we're, we're, we compete. Yeah, we compete. We're good competitors. I'm not a good competitor. I'm a terrible competitor. I want to win. I'm in it to win it, right? So I suck at, at uh, competing because I'm going to beat you. And I love taking market share because that means we're winning. Especially when I'm, I'm a 33-year-old company uh, and there's new blood coming into the market, which we're going to touch upon today, what new blood does. And there's also older companies that are much older and, and larger than we are, and we're winning. And uh, they don't like it, but they can't figure it out. The new blood's trying really hard because they get it. They got to be different. And uh, so it's just a lot of fun. But no, I'm not a good competitor. Neither should you be. Why must we be faster? Well, our customers expect it. It's just expected today. Um, they are less patient, as we all know, uh, than they used to be. And um, if we don't provide them with fast, efficient service, then someone else will. That's a fact. And that's the, that's the new blood I'm talking about. The new companies coming in. The new entrepreneur coming in saying what I said at one time, we're going to beat these old dogs because we're going to start doing new things and being faster and more nimble and more bold. And number two, it's not, it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not beating someone one time. It's beating them every time. Just like everything else, the more it's practiced, the more normal it becomes and then fast becomes a habit. Number three, with the instant gratification society that we have today, we must be innovative to push forward to be faster and faster. Your competition is sitting at a round table. Now, I want you to think about this, folks. When I say round table, I mean a whatever room you guys use, I call it our conference room. But whether you want to call it a think tank room or an idea center or a dream room or whatever room you guys use to huddle up and think and talk about how we're going to grow this thing better and faster than everyone else, um, your competition is sitting in one of those rooms and they're trying to figure out how to beat you as we speak. Stop and think about that. Seriously, they're trying to beat you. You need to do everything possible to beat them. And I used to tell my kids when they were in sports, you know, if you don't practice harder and more often than everyone else, you're not going to be better than them. And a lot of times, if they wouldn't practice hard enough, I'd say, you know what? Your competitor out there, someone's practicing harder than you. Someone's still out there practicing. Someone got up early and either ran or shot basketball or worked out or something more than you did. I want you to think about that. It works the same way in business, folks. Someone's going to outwork you. Someone's going to work harder, and they're going to pass you up before you know it. If you don't work harder than them, if you don't set out to beat them, 
And number four is making decisions is is um, is not the only part of a leader's job anymore. Making decisions is just it's a it's a daily routine, of course. But being fast helps your company thrive. And set the customer expectation at a high level. Get them used to you being fast. A customer, you should have your customer saying, I would never switch. I would never use anyone else because we'll never get that kind of service from anyone else. So when we think about when you think about companies being fast, I, I want you to think about just some companies who are fast and slow, but I thought about a few. Um, Google is fast. General Motors is slow. Um, Wendy's and Hardee's is slow, and Chick-fil-A is fast, okay? Look what Chick-fil-A has done, folks. Look what they've done to change the drive-through experience. I mean, they have, they have built canopies, um, which are an extension of their building and everything to help the um, drive, you know, the drive-through experience is no longer taking the order from the window. It's taking the order out somewhere or between 10 and 15 cars ahead and then going ahead and collecting and paying for it. By the time you get up to the window, bam, you're, you're, in, you're done. You're in and out. And they, they serve more than anyone. But you think about Wendy's, been around a long time. Uh, you think about Hardee's, slow. You know, I, I mean, it's slow. So what needs to be faster in your business? What needs to be faster? How about marketing? Marketing encourages a quick reaction. Do it now. Use us. Think of us. So why wouldn't we want to make it faster? So number one is marketing. Number two, fast acting. I mean, your company has to be fast acting. Answering phones and getting things scheduled fast. Answering phones. Years ago, we used to have a rule. You had to answer the phone by a certain ring. I do not want my customer to call in and, and, not, and, and get a ring, 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 and then an answer. I mean, it's got to be fast. Uh, today, our phones, we have smartphones and everything's smart and it automatically goes into a message and then someone answers, but it's still fast. Uh, we just can't do it the way we used to do it, uh, but we do take a lot more calls than we used to do. So, uh, than we used to. So, fast acting. Number three, quick response time. When are you going to respond? When are you going to make it happen? Today or ASAP? One of my competitors, they don't know how to compete. So they come out with same day install. Well, yeah, that sounds good on paper. We don't, I don't think we've ever lost a job because we couldn't get to someone same day. So I don't even know how much that matters. It sounds good. But honestly, if they got overloaded, there's no way they could do it all in one day. It would be impossible, and then they could not fulfill their promise. <clears throat> so good luck with that. Uh, number four, momentum. Momentum 
creativity, motivation, they all love speed. Okay? Momentum loves speed. Creative Creativity loves speed. Let's make it happen. I mean, you ever been into a meeting where someone speaks up and says, we are going to make a decision today on this? In other words, we're not going to form a committee to have to make a decision that won't get done for another six weeks. We are going to make a decision today. And then if you're in a very fast-paced business, someone might say, not only are we going to make a decision today, we're going to have a date of implementation and a date that we can say it's off the table because it's done. Next. And number five, systems are practiced often and performed with excellence. You know, that's that's what it's done. Uh, that's why we need to be faster. Um, we don't lose quality by being faster. That's not what we're talking about here. But we practice and practice and practice. Systems are practiced often and performed with excellence. Okay? First time you do things, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be slower. But the more you do them, the more you improve upon them, the faster you get and the more accurate you are, and you're still performing everything with excellence. And lastly here on this, one of the best things about small business is your ability to make major decisions on the fly. That's personally why I love owning a small business. We can implement something at a small round table discussion and and start it tomorrow if we want. And I just love being able to do things on the fly and not waiting and not having a committee and not having another group and not having another um, system to go through to implement something that's only going to help our company or help our customers and help our team, whatever it is. Okay, so lastly on this, um, I want to talk about when not to be fast. And we're going over, typically, we go from 20 to 30 minutes, and we're on about 35 minutes, but this is just so good. I want to talk about when not to be fast. So hang in there a little bit longer, folks. If you're not ready or prepared to be fast, don't go fast, please. It won't work. If there's no systems in place to be fast, don't go fast. Remember what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening my axe. In order to go fast, you've got to prepare, you've got to sharpen. And then I read something actually today that I had not heard. But Albert Einstein said something like this. If I had to make a decision in one hour, a critical decision, life-changing decision, if I had to make that in one hour, he said, I'd spend the first 55 minutes asking thorough questions so I could make that happen. Preparing, finding out more information, Sharpening. Make sense? 
Sure does. Okay. When not to be fast. When none of the examples above that we talked about have been perfected. When answering the phones a certain way, responding to a call a certain way, all those things. When they when they've not been perfected, then don't don't try to be fast. When you've not gone slow to fast, don't go fast. Let me explain that. It's a it's a behavioral trait. Uh, we review processes and look at the long term of things, and then ask what happens if. Over the long haul, and there was a survey done with companies, uh, the ones that slowed down a little bit to speed up averaged more sales and more on their bottom line. So the companies that slow down a little bit to go fast (coughs) are the ones who prepare. Okay. When not to go fast, when you gauge your team's comfort and it's not where it needs to be, slow down. You'll know this when you're going too fast. When you're going fast enough, there's a lower level of discomfort. There's always going to be discomfort when you change something or you implement something new, there's going to be discomfort. But they'll work through it and it will get better and and actually hopefully it improves your business. But you'll know when you're going fast enough if there's a low level of discomfort. Um, People will feel stretched. But if you're going too fast, you'll see it on their faces. And you've got to watch for that. You know, because that's very important. Um, So we're going to end there um, on part one. And... um, And then we're going to pick up on part two. Part two is going to be about being nimble and being bold. And that's what part two is going to be. So I hope hope this helps you uh, think differently, eliminate or decrease procrastination, be more creative in your procrastination, know what to procrastinate and what not to procrastinate on. I hope this helps you see the importance of speeding up processes and things like that that we've talked about today. As always, before we wrap up, if you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe below. You can also support this podcast by rating and reviewing on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Folks, I need your reviews. I need to see how we're doing here. Um, I do see the number of uh, watches and the number of listeners, uh, but I need some feedback. Let me know how we're doing here. This is a, uh, for the most part, it's a solo podcast. It's like a TED Talk, uh, sometimes on steroids um, in my little podcast room here in Dayton, Ohio. But let me know how I'm doing. Um, I'm just here to help you grow your business and make your business uh, better. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Greg McAfee Show. And be sure to tune in next week when we're going to talk about how to be nimble and how to be bold. Thanks for listening. And as always, carry on and have a great day.